he's asking me about my philosophy of life and earth and God and all these things. And just, is, this is a very Literally the things you're not supposed to talk about yeah, like, on a first I'm not, date. I'm not trying to delve into a philosophical conversation with you right now. But then he also asks, what am I good at in bed? Uh, okay. Wide yeah. swing of topics. I said, I'm not discussing this with you. He's like, oh, well, I'll share mine. Go for it. Now I'm here. I want to know what yours is if you're going to offer. Not an appropriate yeah. thing to ask me. Oh my gosh. You know what he said, Leslie? Oh no. You got to give me massages during coitus. What? And for those that don't know what coitus is, that is like the medical professional term for fucking, for intercourse, wow. having sex. Hi, everyone. Welcome back for another episode of Interstates and Heartbreak. I am really excited to have Ariel Rosen on today. She's honestly essentially an expert on all things relationship and sex related. She studied marriage and family therapy. She's a certified life and dating coach, and she is the newly minted director of matchmaking at Master Matchmakers. Welcome. Thanks. Excited to be here. Yes. So excited. So this has been a long time in the making as we were just discussing. So extra excited to record with you today. Me as well. Yes. And would love to just dive in. And so your career background is so fascinating and so robust. And I would love to know like when you kind of first became interested in this career path and how you stumbled upon it. Because I feel like, you know, when you think about the traditional career paths that we pursue growing up, this is a little outside of the realm of that and would love to hear how you got involved. Yeah, sure. So this actually was not meant to be my career path at all. You know, growing up, I loved working with children and helping. So I wanted to be a teacher, but then come undergrad, I realized I don't want to be a teacher. I don't, <laughs> I love kids. I don't know if I want to be around kids all the time. Just no, that wasn't for mm -hmm. me. But the helping people thing was always there and it was always innate. So I ended up getting my bachelor's in psychology and from there blossomed. I really wanted to help couples and my goal was to pursue sex therapy. So from that idea blossomed, I needed to get my master's degree and I got my master's degree in marriage and family therapy and things just continue to blossom and evolve in many different ways. And it continues to do so, which is very, very interesting. It's not just you stick to one thing and that's it for me. So I ended up getting the master's in marriage and family therapy. And then the ideas of matchmaking started bouncing around in my head. I ended up not pursuing the therapy route, getting certifications in life coaching, and basically shoved my foot in the door when I saw an opportunity to work with a matchmaking company. And I was pretty successful at it very, very quickly. Within a matter of six months, I had achieved one of the highest levels of matchmakers with the company without being a wow. managerial role. But I was limited on how far I could grow within that company. So I knew I had to step out of that box. My foot was in the door and I fully was now in that door. Mm -hmm. So I ended up finding this company called Master Matchmakers. What's funny is at the time, I was just looking. I had no intention of actually applying because 
I still had some things I needed to figure out personally. But I saw on the internet that they had posted an ad looking for a matchmaker. So I was like, screw it. I'm just going to apply and see what happens. The next day, the CEO called me. He said, based on your resume alone, I want to hire you. I just got to make sure your marbles are in order. So here we are. Wow. That is so amazing. (laughs) Reached out to you from the CEO himself. That's so awesome. Yeah. Less than 24 hours later, I probably applied the night before. Next morning, I had a phone call. I'm like, who the hell is calling me? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Clearly your resume is badass. If the CEO is like, we got to snap her up right away. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) My gosh. Yeah. So when you first kind of became, I don't know, involved in the matchmaking world, was it at a time when you feel like matchmaking was really prevalent because I feel like it's kind of gone through like ebbs and flows in terms of people's awareness and people's perceptions of it, just in terms of like people's openness to it or awareness that it's even like something that the average person does. Well, I mean, it's been around for ancient and ancient times and there's many cultures that still do matchmaking, but it's essentially arranged marriages Mm -hmm. and it's a financial agreement rather than a love agreement. So I don't even know how the idea of matchmaking got into my head. Maybe I had met someone who was a sex therapist and she was Mm -hmm. toying around with the idea of matchmaking. So maybe that got stuck in my head. But I didn't really put any thought that this existed still. I said, Mm -hmm. screw it. Let's give it a shot. I'm really good at helping people. Yeah. So I was really good at working with couples and that was my goal. So why not help two single people become a couple? Yeah. You are right. Like, matchmaking is something that's been around since the dawn of time. So like from the time that you first got involved with matchmaking to now, how would you say the industry has changed or how have people's perceptions changed, if at all? Well, I think really what it comes down to is people might be afraid to ask for help. And that's really the hurdle they have to face of, okay, I can't do it on my own. I need help. I think it's evolved because we have all these online dating resources where we can do it ourselves. Mm -hmm. It allows us a wider outreach to people we wouldn't necessarily run into at a grocery store, friends of friends introducing us to each other. Mm -hmm. So you also know that you're having someone who's doing the legwork, making a safe dating environment for you. And then with COVID thrown in, no one was going out. No one was meeting people. Everyone was locked in their bubble. And yeah, you can use the online dating apps, but you're still kind of getting the same result of you're not sure who this person is. You are not sure of what they're looking for, whether you guys have similar long-term, short-term goals. Mm -hmm. So hiring a matchmaker really helps widen that scope, knowing that it's safe, secure, and that someone does have your back. Yeah, People want to get out there. They don't want to be stuck in their bubbles anymore. And if God forbid it happens again, they want someone to do it with. Yes, that's so true. And like you touch on so many things and I feel like there's this whole talk about how everyone kind of went through this cuffing phase where they realized like, oh, I want companionship because the pandemic is fucking horrible. And like, I would love to have someone to kind of go through this with. And I would love to hear your thoughts on like, do you think that people are going to go through an uncuffing phase now that things are starting to get back to normal? Or do you think that it kind of changed people's perspective and prioritization on like having a partner? I think that's going to be a mixed bag because cuffing season existed without the pandemic, right? Mm -hmm. It's usually wintertime is when people start to couple up 
And then spring blossoms, summer's coming, which is now. People are wanting Mm -hmm. to get out, which now they actually can get out. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So they want to get out and meet new people and see who's out there and have fun. So I think COVID offered a time, especially for couples, it was either make it or break it. You're either going to survive the pandemic or you're not. Or if you're single and you meet someone, you're bunkered down with them for months and (laughs) it creates a deeper, I think, relationship because you can't escape this person. You have to figure out all the different nuances and challenges of dating and your relationship with this person and how you can adapt and change and compromise to make it successful or not. And that's okay. Yeah, that's so true. That's so true. It's like, I think it did definitely like pressure test every relationship. And Mm -hmm. so it's like, yeah, if you can make it through that, I feel like you're pretty solid. Yeah. And I feel like because of the whole deepening thing that happened within that, people are not going to say, I'm like, okay, now that I can break free, I'm going to break free. from (laughs) My God. Yeah. That would be so sad. It's like they were a hostage for the past year. (laughs) Maybe they got Stockholm syndrome too. (laughs) Seriously. You like go out and you're like, oh, I don't have to spend all my time with this person. I feel like a lot of people have that fear, but yeah, hopefully that's not the case. Well, and it's the fear of being alone and that necessarily shouldn't be, well, no, it shouldn't necessarily, it shouldn't be a driving force to be in a partnership. Yeah. A hundred percent agree. It's like, that's absolutely the wrong motivation. And I feel like that's what leads people to settle. It does lead people to settle. And it's the people that I want love. I want someone to love me. And that also causes them to settle because they love Mm -hmm. the idea of love. They love the idea of a relationship. But are you truly in a place where you can show up loving yourself and knowing so much about you, your awareness, how you communicate, what works, what doesn't work, love languages, things like that, that make you successful for a partnership because that person needs to show up in the same exact manner. We're not here to fix each other in a relationship. We're here to help build each other. Yes. I always hate when people say like, yeah, you know, I was looking for my other half and it's like, no, I feel like you should be a whole person. You know, (laughs) it's not like you're looking for someone to complete you. It's like, those are always the tropes and the language that people use in rom-coms. And it's like, that's such a negative and like unhealthy view to perpetuate. Yep. Yeah. And I think it's in Kabbalah. They say a man is not a man without his other half, without the woman. And then they become one. I kind of understand that. And I kind of don't. I mean, I believe exactly what you said. You need to be your one whole person. But then Mm -hmm. when you create this other whole one person, you come together and now you got the Trinity. You got the trifecta. Mm -hmm. And this is very powerful. Yeah. It's like, that's the basis for like a staple relationship where it's, you both bring a lot to the table, but then you can kind of like supplement that, build each other up. Maybe one person brings qualities that the other doesn't have but it's not because the other person is like lacking and hasn't developed and spent time on themselves. Right. And that's not to say we're not going to slack. We're not going to fall behind. We're not going to have moments of darkness Mm -hmm. where we need uplifting. We are evolving creatures. We're always going to be growing. And it's about growing with that partner. And sometimes you grow out of that partnership because you evolve in different paths, no longer on the same paths. Your goals are no longer the same. But that's okay. As long as everyone is honest with what's happening, you can still have so much love for this other person, just not working anymore. Yeah, that's so true. That's so true. 
So kind of when you were getting involved in matchmaking, what were reactions from people in your life? Like, were they surprised (laughs) at this path? Were they supportive? Did they have some doubts or trepidations? No, everyone was extremely supportive. They're like, oh yeah, you're going to be good at that. Love that. But I cannot tell you how many times I've heard the song, the matchmaker song from Fiddler on the Roof. The matchmaker, matchmaker, matchmaker. <laughs> my name's Ariel to begin with. So I already got all the Little Mermaid songs and now yes. I got this song. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I bet everyone thinks they're so clever. Like when they start singing it to you. I know. Way to be original, guys. <laughs> yeah, you're like, cool, cool, this again. <laughs> yeah, but I think everybody just kind of saw what my career path was turning into and knowing me as a person, we're just like, that's you. Mm-hmm. I am very fortunate to not only be good at what I do, but to love what I do. You know, like I said, it is innate in me. I didn't have this understanding until a few years ago where looking back that when I was younger, I was actually a peer counselor in middle school. Oh, wow. So I was always trying to help people. And it wasn't like I said, until a few years ago that I had that, huh, this has been going on since I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So you were like really destined for this. That's so awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you feel like this has kind of impacted the way that you look at your own personal relationships? Mm. Well, I definitely approach dating in a different manner than most because I have all the insight and the tools. I definitely approach my communication styles a little bit more directly, I guess you could mm-hmm. say. There's no pussyfooting here, you know? Oh, I don't know what I want or what I'm looking for. I'll settle, (laughs) you know? I don't know. No, I figured that shit out. Yeah. But it can be intimidating to some men. You know, I can't tell you how many dates Mm -hmm. I've gone on and chemistry is not there. And that's okay. You can be a great person and Mm -hmm. just not feel that spark. That is something that's going to drive a relationship. And Mm -hmm. all the time, the guys are asking me to coach them. Like while you're on the date. While I'm on the date, after I said I'm interested in seeing again, can you give me advice? Can you coach me on how to get you? And- oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> that is the least sexy thing ever. I know. I know. Listen, I respect that they want the feedback because that's mm-hmm. really the only way they're going to grow and learn, especially if they're fucking up the date and putting their foot in their mouth. Yeah. But it's also difficult because I do do this professionally. So then, when it comes to my personal life, I don't want to work. No. For me, matchmaking is a full-time job because I do it for others. I do it professionally, but I'm also single. So I have to do it for myself too. Mm -hmm. So sometimes Mm -hmm. I just want to take the hat off and have a little Ariel time, a little break. Yeah. That's so interesting. And so like, have you ever given in and been like, all right, like, here's my honest feedback. And if so, like, how do they actually react? Because I could just imagine that People as a whole, I don't mean to generalize, but I do think, you know, primarily men, they might like think that they want this feedback, but then ego kicks in when someone's telling you exactly what they don't like about you. And like, I don't know, no one really wants to hear that, even if they think that they do. Yeah. In return to feedback I've given, which I was asked to give, someone (laughs) sent me the CeeLo song, Fuck You. Oh, nice. (laughs) Nice. You asked for my opinion. I gave it to you. Yeah. Yeah. That's wild. That is so, so wild. Some people are receptive. Some are not, but you're right. Sometimes, sorry guys, sometimes men have a hard <laughs> time of accepting that hard feedback, mm-hmm. whether they want to hear it or not. I mean, you either take the bitter truth or I can sugarcoat it and you're not going to get anything from it. 
Yeah. So when you do have to let guys down and you say like, yeah, I'm not interested in seeing things through, like, what do you typically say? And also like, if you were to coach one of your matchmaking clients and they were saying, I don't feel a connection with this guy, like how would you kind of coach someone through that gentle rejection? Probably the same way I do it. It's, you don't have to be a bitch. You don't have to say, fuck you. I hate you. You are ugly. You made me split the bill with you. you know? <laughs> <laughs> Which women hate guys. So yeah. <laughs> take note. Women like that the man will take charge and pay the bill. Also play on the date. Absolutely. So I usually say, you know, it was really great meeting you. I enjoyed getting to know you. I just wasn't feeling the connection that I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. One of the guys that I had to turn down, oh God, it was heartbreaking. I liked this guy, but not enough to like, like him, like him. Yeah. I gave it three dates. First date was great. Loved it. Second day, I started getting that unsure feeling. But I was like, you know what? Let me give him one more chance because maybe it was something was off or I just got to feel it out a little bit. And after that third time, I was like, fuck, I got to end it. I can't do this to him and I can't do this to me. So. I actually waited because I was traveling and I didn't want to like do it around my friends and I didn't want to do it via text message because I thought that was so impersonal because we had spent time together and our conversations did get deep and vulnerable, which was very surprising that that happened so quickly. So I called him when I got back into town. Yeah. It was a little bit late when I had called. Well, not too late, but like nine o'clock and he was going to bed. So I was like, nope, I can't do it before he goes to bed. This guy fucking nightmare. (laughs) My God, just like crying himself to sleep. I couldn't. I couldn't do that. So I spoke to him the next day and I could hear the pep in his step when he got to hear my voice. The moment I said, I really enjoy you and spending time with you. It's just... I'm not feeling the way I want to feel. And that sucks because I want to feel that way. And I just wanted to be honest with you because you deserve that. You can Mm -hmm. just hear the tone of his voice just get knocked a level down. But you know what? End of the conversation, he very much appreciated it. He was like, I thank you for being honest with me and direct with me because Mm -hmm. you could have ghosted me. You could have just texted me. Mm -hmm. I had the heart to tell him. And that's where I think lies in the difference. A lot of people have the fear of hurting someone else, but the behaviors of being a bitch or ghosting hurt so much more. Yeah. So don't do it. That is my one big piece of advice is don't ghost, just be direct. Yeah. And being direct is key because I agree with you hundred percent. I don't think people should ghost. And so I don't do it. What I have done in the past, which I've looked back on and been like, wow, you really didn't handle that well. is like sometimes in an effort to preserve someone's feelings, you make excuses. Like I'm really busy or I'm just like not in a place right now to date rather than attributing it to not feeling the connection. And what's happened there has been sometimes people will like check back in and be like, well, how are you doing? Like, are you in a place to date now? And like, I would love to pick things up where we left off. And then it just makes it so much harder. And it's like pulling the bandaid off slowly rather than just like ripping it off. Mm -hmm. And I have to teach my clients this because we're coming from an environment where this is an acceptable behavior. And we Mm -hmm. need to be the ones to break this because it is not acceptable. I'm even having to teach 50, 60 year old people how to do this because they're just seeing this on online dating. So this is the norm. 
It is not yeah. normal, guys. <laughs> Don't do yeah. it. So for example, so I had this couple that I had matched and they went on their first date and I got feedback from both of them after. And he had told her that it's tax season. I'm too busy right now. So I'm not going to be able to see you for at least a month. Okay. Feedback I got from him was, it was nice meeting her. I just wasn't attracted and I didn't feel the chemistry. So wow, now very I different. have to go back and be the asshole for him, which also makes him look like the asshole and me look like the asshole because he just actually yeah. wasn't feeling it. So yeah. I had to call him. He explained his side. And I said, listen, I understand where you're coming from, but we can't be doing this. If you're not interested in her, you need to just say that. You don't have to be mm-hmm. mean and say, oh, I didn't like you. It was nice meeting yeah. you. You can even say it was nice meeting you. I wish you luck. It was nice meeting you. I hope you find someone special. You're really terrific. Yeah. That definitely gets the point across. Yeah. I mean, it's not hard to read between the lines when someone says, good luck, take care. I hope you find <laughs> someone. It's no. not me, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so funny. You saying like that specific line, it reminds me of like this past season on The Bachelor. I don't know if you watch, but like- no. They like did a hometown date and basically like the bachelor goes to the top four contestants homes. And so this guy meets one of the contestants sisters. And as he's leaving, she's like, yeah, I wish you luck with this process. And then like later in the episode, that same girl dumped him. And I was like, that was the first sign. You don't say I wish you luck if you think that your sister's going to end up with this guy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's really the way it goes. Yeah. And I love that. It's like, it is very direct, but it's still like really courteous. And like, you have no bad feelings towards this person. Like no one can really get offended if you say that. I think that's the impression you want to leave with someone. You can show up really nice. It could be a really great date and not feel it, but don't then become the asshole or the bitch or the person that led me on. And now I have to deal with all these feelings of internalizing. Why was I not good enough? Mm-hmm. You know, why did they say they were interested again? Or yeah, let's discuss another date. And then I get dropped like a hat. Yeah. So I would actually, that brings up an interesting question. I would love to hear kind of about like the process with master matchmakers in terms of like, from when you have a client and you send them matches and then afterwards, when they're kind of like going through the feedback of the date, do you also then coach them to figure out what happened and like take notes for future matches for them if it doesn't work out? Yeah. So it'll start with clients seeking out our services and basically perching into the services. So usually what we do is we want to start with coaching where they work one-on-one with a coach that is assigned to them. They remain Mm -hmm. their coach. So they usually go through three sessions where the coach gets to know them as deeply as possible, goes through who they are as a person, their relationship history, what they're looking for. And in doing all of that, can uncover different patterns, different red flags, different approaches Mm. that they need to take, and also giving Mm. guidance of how to have successful dates, what to talk about, what not to talk about, what to wear, what not to wear. (laughs) (laughs) And then getting their profile in order, which includes getting pictures, which a lot of people struggle with. We always struggle with pictures. Mm -hmm. First of all, we are our hardest critics when it comes to photos. And men happen to be extremely visual when it comes to the process. Yes. But being the hypocrites that they are, guys, sorry again, <laughs> I'm calling you out. Um, <laughs> they take the worst fucking photos. 
So bad. And I feel like they also don't know when they look good in a photo. It's bizarre. No, women, we think about how does my hair look? Do I have to put my hands on my head? How do I have to put my leg to angle my body right? Men, they say, mm-hmm. oh, you want a photo? Okay, I'm in the gym, my sweaty gym clothes, there's a mirror, <laughs> click, there's your photo, ladies, or holding yep. a fish. I yes. Don't know what it is about the fish? They're like, I can work out, okay, gym photo, I can provide for you a fish photo. <laughs> <laughs> and then, usually holding a kid that isn't their own. And I'm yeah. Like, hey, me too. I'm the great uncle. What does this prove? <laughs> I don't so, think we yeah. like any of these photos. No, they're so played out. And I feel like guys are not out here taking photos of each other the way that women are. And if they were, they could have a variety of like normal photos showing them doing activities that they're actually going to be doing. It's like, you're not babysitting 24 seven. I don't know, maybe you are, but like, you're probably not with this kid 24 seven. You're not fishing 24 seven. So like, let's see what you actually do on a normal weekend. And I can actually get a glimpse of who you are as a person. Yeah. But you know what? I feel like the girls, if they were to see the guys taking photos like that, they're probably like, Oh, that guy's a douche. He loves taking photos of themselves. Uh, but we so do it. True. So it's okay. I know it's so true. There's so many double standards. It's like, especially when you look at a guy's social media, it's like girls oftentimes will say like, yeah, I don't want a guy who like posts too much and like cares about his image, but then where is he going to get these photos when it mm-hmm. comes time to actually date? And then they also want them to post photos of themselves. They want to be shown off as a couple. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's double standards everywhere. Sorry, we're deviating, but you know, there's also yes, the yes. double standard when it comes, we'll jump back, but there's yeah. also the double standard when it comes to sex. Yes. There's this saying, what, how does it go? I want to get it right. Essentially there's a lock and a key, right? Oh my God. I know what you're talking about. I hate this. <laughs> okay. So there's a lock and a key. If you have any old key, which is the penis that can open up the lock, you just got a shitty lock, but you want to have the master key to open up any lock and you're the man, you're the pimp. Yeah. It's not fair. Yeah. We are all sexual beings. Okay. We're here to reproduce. We're here to have fun. Yeah. (laughs) Why can't women enjoy it as well? And why do we have to be faulted for having that, I guess, awareness and strong sexual identity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And especially when you think about what a man wants in a sexual partner, like it's like he wants someone star. who, yes, but then it's like, how do you get those skills? Exactly. <laughs> it's like when you try to get a job and they're like, sorry, we're not yes. going to hire someone without experience. Well, how the fuck am I supposed to get experience if no one will hire me? Literally, it's such a conundrum and it's wild that that double standard is still kind of perpetuated today. I think Mm -hmm. obviously as time passes, it is perpetuated less and less, but it's still pretty prevalent. Yeah. So another thing that we have to nip in the bud. Yeah. I guess, do you also coach your clients in terms of how to approach getting intimate? Like how far along in the dating process post-match are you kind of involved Mm -hmm. with your clients? So when it comes to sex, that's a hard one because every situation is different. Like if you're Mm -hmm. feeling it and you want to have sex on the first date, go for it. The guy might not call you again because he might only see you as now a sexual being, which happens Mm -hmm. frequently. But Mm -hmm. listen, who are we to deny people of wanting to feel their feelings? I mean, sometimes the relationship does progress further. So we guide as much as possible, but it's up to them whether they want to get in their pants or not. And if they do that and it fucks Mm -hmm. up, then they got a lesson out of that. 
So from coaching, mm-hmm. we're helping the profile, the photos, discussing the do's and don'ts of dating. Sex is a tricky one, but there's certain things that you definitely should not do on a first date, like talking about exes, talking about politics, talking about religion, just talking about things that are going to put a negative energy out there. It's usually going to push someone away. They're not going to come out of that date. It's, oh yeah, that was fun. That was positive. I am excited to see them because they just talked about their ex their whole time. So <laughs> yeah, it's so true. So what we do is then we share profiles of people that we think could be compatible based off of their different criterias and wanting to ensure that the two people mm-hmm. are as in as much alignment as possible. And then once we meet, we do gather the feedback. Now, sometimes we do share the feedback, especially if it is something that's going to be beneficial and constructive for the other party, like telling someone you talked about your ex the Mm -hmm. whole time. Now this person thinks that you're not available. Yeah, I've had to tell guys, plan the date. Don't just call her and like, see where things go. No, plan the fucking (laughs) date. Go out on the date. How are you supposed to get to know this person without actually meeting them? Seeing if there's a spark, seeing if there's chemistry, seeing if there's attraction. You're not going to feel that only here. Mm -hmm. That exchange only happens when you're in someone's presence. So we will try to push them in the right direction. What they do with that information is up to them. You can only lead a horse to water. Part of our program by having that coach as an ongoing support system is throughout matchmaking, after matchmaking, meeting people on their own. So if we had a situation where people are hitting it off or are dating someone, they can always reach out to their coach for additional guidance and support. So that's a really cool thing, knowing Mm -hmm. that you do have someone that does have your back in that capacity. Yeah, definitely. I imagine it just kind of makes the whole process a lot less daunting. And like, it's also just nice to have a sounding board for before and after, because I think a lot of times when we're talking to our friends after a date, Like I would find myself like going on a date and like not necessarily able to articulate like why I wasn't into somebody. But I feel like when you have a coach whose entire job is to break this down and like give you that feedback, then it really helps you to like reflect on like, okay, well, this is specifically why I didn't feel a connection and going forward. Like this is maybe something that I should look for instead to ensure Mm -hmm. that like I have a better time on this date. And that happens all the time. And also happens before the date too. You know, there's Mm -hmm. a lot of times where people are like, you know what, that's not something I really want or I think or I asked for, but you have to trust the process. You have to put yourself out there because people definitely have the tendency to surprise us. And that's Mm -hmm. where most of our successful matches actually come from, where people that said, no, I don't want to meet this person. And then Mm -hmm. they do and they're like, I really like this person. (laughs) I had no fucking idea Mm -hmm. that I could feel this way based off the profiles, based off the photos, it was a no, or it's Mm -hmm. saying yes to the match. And what we do is we swap phone numbers so they can set up the date themselves. Miscommunication Mm -hmm. happens all the time. And they're like, you know what, this person's not serious. They're not communicating in the style that I want. (laughs) It's just not working. Give it a chance. You have to give people the benefit of the doubt. I actually just had had this happen uh, this past week where I matched this guy and this girl, she ended up going traveling right when it happened. So it kind of pushed the communication behind Mm. a little bit. But we have a rule, no texting unless it's to coordinate a time to speak or to finalize date plans. Oh, so she gets back in town. Okay, she says, Hey, I'm back in town. He says, Welcome back. I don't remember exactly what happened with the communication. But she basically messaged me 
saying that he hadn't been communicating with her and she doesn't think that he's interested or they're wanting the same things. So I reached out to him. I said, Hey, you know, have you spoken to so-and-so? And he's like, she was out of town. She messaged me that she got back. I actually plan on reaching out to her today, but I'm trying to follow your oh. rules of no texting. I was like, okay, good boy. He is listening. She is just <laughs> a little needy at this point. Yeah. So yeah. I had to tell her, why don't you reach out to him if you're not hearing from him too? So he reached out to her. They planned a tentative date. Okay. Mm-hmm. The day of the date, she messaged me, Hey, you know, we had made plans, but I haven't heard from him. So like, I don't really know. I said, well, did you message him? Because it takes two people to plan a date. So she texted yeah. him. They made final arrangements for that night. And she was like, you know, I'm not as excited as I was a week ago. I said, just give it a chance. Go have fun. Keep an open mind. Guess what said in the feedback? I'm so glad you encouraged me. I had a really great time. He was so sweet. He held the door open for me. He walked me home. Listen, she could have talked herself out of this for all this fucking bullshit. And they had a great time. Mm -hmm. Great time. I once had a woman. (laughs) She reached out because, again, they were texting. No, 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 no. Well, for Mm -hmm. us, don't text. (laughs) It's different when you meet on your own. We different rules. So they were texting middle of the workday and he doesn't answer for three hours and she's freaking the Mm -hmm. fuck out. He's not answering. (laughs) He's not interested in me. He's playing games with me. So what did I do? I didn't answer her for three hours. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Why? I needed to show her, listen, people are busy. They're not always on their phones. They're working. Guess what? That's what he was doing. He was working. He's not ignoring you. He's busy. You wanted someone who's strong, who's successful, who's independent, who's hardworking. That's this guy. Don't expect him to be at your every text message writing you back and forth. Yeah. I also had to coach this guy where similar situation. It was a woman that he had met on his own. They were texting. He is a diehard cyclist. Like he'll go for Mm. hours going cycling. I don't know how the hell he does it. I would die. But um, (laughs) that's what he does. He's passionate about it. So he was gone for several hours, didn't respond to his text. It's not like he's going to be on his bike. You know, it's unsafe. (laughs) Unsafe. So he came back to his phone, which he left in his car. (sighs) So many text messages from her freaking out. Oh, no. So many names. Oh, my God. He's like, I was on a bike ride. Wow. What's your problem? Yeah. So I had to tell him, you know, first of all, this is on her for freaking out in that capacity. But if you're in a situation where you're texting quite frequently and then you kind of ghost for a little bit, even if it's a few hours, people sometimes might internalize this and let their sensitivities or their ego get the best of them. And it's not about them. So I kind of had to tell him, listen, if you're ever in a situation like this, say, hey, I'm going for a bike ride. I'm leaving my phone in the car. I'll message you when I'm back. Because that way, you open up this room for whatever the fuck that was. Oh my gosh, that's so tough. Because I feel like, you know, it is so easy to spiral. And especially when you're just like, you start to really get into this person, you start to like have all these expectations. And I feel like for myself, like one of the, best pieces of advice I've been able to give myself is just like, 
if you're like freaking out about something, like maybe just give it a moment. Like if you have an instinct to send a message, just like wait. And Mm -hmm. nine times out of 10, that has always been the best advice that you can follow because yeah, I mean, you just end up like creating these stories in your head that are not based on anything. Honestly, it's just like speculation and like your imagination. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. People spiral so easily and you know Mm -hmm. what it is? They're putting their love, they're putting their water in someone else's cup. Yeah. Yeah. They are now making someone else fulfill them instead of them fulfilling them. Mm-hmm. I listened to this other dating podcast and they say this like jokingly, but it's serious advice where they're like, yeah, I mean, if you're obsessing w- about some guy, like who hasn't texted you back, like maybe like pick up a book. And like the like real philosophy behind it is more so just like busy yourself with other things, you know, mm-hmm. like you can't make this person you don't even really know yet your entire world because yeah, then you are going to spiral again to bring it back to the bachelor. I feel like that's why they're all obsessed with this one person. It's like, they literally cannot do anything. Like you're not allowed to have a phone. You're not allowed to bring books. Like all you can do is like talk about and think about this guy. And so you really need to have your own thing going on if you don't want to become obsessive and like super dependent on that text back. Well, in that situation too, it's also a competition. So then you have all these other people that you're now comparing yourself to. Oh my God, he spent 10 more minutes with that person. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, oh, he took her on a date instead of me. And it just eats you alive from the inside out. Mm -hmm. Our minds are worst enemy. Yeah. hundred percent. We forget to think with our heart and we let our mind rule everything. Yeah. Yeah. And I think just like listening to your gut, you know, like if something happened and you had this amazing date with this person, like maybe two days ago and you felt really great about things, but then afterwards it's like, oh, they didn't text me back for two hours. I don't know. Like, I feel like the experience of the date should trump that. And yet it's so easy to just get caught up in like that immediate gratification and like need mm-hmm. for validation at that second. Yeah. And here's the thing. It also comes with the different styles of communication. Not everybody's a texture. Not everybody's someone mm-hmm. who wants to talk on the phone. There are plenty of men who want the in-person connection. They're not trying to build a connection texting back and forth. They want to build the connection in person. So you have to be mm-hmm. understanding this is someone I don't know. I don't know what their sense of humor is like. I don't know their styles of communication. I don't know their love languages. I don't know anything essentially about this person except what I've learned so far. And you can only hold that to a certain pedestal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. And I think oftentimes like that's why we get so obsessive about these people we don't know also though, is because it's like you haven't really seen their flaws. And so it's like, there's a lot of, questions about them. And I think when you like someone, the instinct is to like fill in those questions with like what you want it to be. So you like build out this person who's actually kind of a fantasy and you idealize them when you realize it's, it's like, yeah, no, like they probably aren't this perfect person that you're imagining. That's just like what you want. And so that's what you allow yourself to believe because you haven't seen otherwise. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, they're showing you what they want to show you. All of us do that. And that takes time to know what are the other facets of this person. You're Mm -hmm. not going to get it instantly. Even if you've been locked away with them for two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, it still took a lot of time to deepen that connection and to really see all sides of this person. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think they say you don't truly know someone until after a year of being with them. Because within that six-month time frame, 
you're still in the honeymoon phase. Things are still happy. You're not really having many arguments. And then the dust starts to settle a little bit. Then you start to see these little miscommunications happen a little bit more. How do we address them? Does someone get angry? Does someone lash Mm -hmm. out? Does someone use words against someone? Is someone physical Mm -hmm. in how they react to certain things? That's, I think, people need to give themselves the time to let the fantasy become reality. Actually, Mm -hmm. don't even have the fantasy to begin with. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This term, I wish I could say I coined it, but like another podcast that I listened to, they coined the term emotional masturbation, where it's like, you're just like imagining like who this person is and like building your life together. And it's like, again, this is all in your mind, but you just like allow yourself to kind of like run away with this beautiful idea of what someone could be before you even know who they are. I think a lot of us do this and I wish I had the rules or the philosophy of how to break that. But yeah. I think that's just innate into humans. Our minds are a tool that run wild and we have no control over them sometimes. Mm-hmm. But we have to learn how to get the reins because we're in charge of the horse. Yeah. We yeah. can lead ourselves in the right direction. So true. And I feel like, you know, maybe the opposite of that is the people who are just so jaded because they've just had a lot of bad experiences and it's kind of let them color future dating experiences Mm -hmm. in a negative light. So do you also encounter that with your clients? And if so, like, how do you help people to break out of that bitterness? That one's hard because usually they don't want to. For instance, we're working with this guy and I don't think he can be helped, sadly. He Mm. is just so bitter, so jaded to the point where I think he's a womanizer Women are here to suck them dry. We only care about finances and stability and what you can provide to us. And granted, he's not in a very desired situation that most women would want. And we have to face the reality of it. Women do care about materialistic. Well, not, I don't, sorry, I don't want to say women because men care about it too. People do carry some sort of materialism with them. It's just how society is because Mm -hmm. we live in a capitalist society. So, we care about those things. Yeah. So when he's got that and women that don't want his type of situation and because he's been so burned in the past, he's coming to us saying, I just want to meet a woman. I don't plan on living with her. I don't plan on marrying her. What woman is going to be excited about that type oh. of relationship? They don't. They want someone who's going to yeah. commit to them, who's going to want to build a life with them. Mm-hmm. And if you're not ready or exactly. wanting to show up in that way, we can only help you so much, but you have to help yourself too. We can only help you help you, but we Mm -hmm. need your help to do so. (laughs) Yeah. So do you ever get to a point with clients where you say, you know what, like, I don't think I can actually provide you what you're looking for and you have to turn them down? Yeah. Yeah. All the time. I mean, not all the time, because a lot of people do have realistic expectations and desires, but some people don't. Mm -hmm. And they're living in that fantasy. They're living in that dream. And we can only pop that bubble so much, but we're not going to put ourselves in a situation where we know we can't help you. And if we take your money for the service that we want to be able to provide to you and you're not getting what you want, it's emotional. This is an emotional experience. And then we're going to get the backlash of it. I was talking to 
someone who gave me a facial the other day, and he was sharing a story about how he had a client with a certain skin condition. And she was asking about some type of service. Mm -hmm. And he said, that's not the right service for you. That is not going to provide you the results that you Mm -hmm. want. You need this instead. No, no, no. I want, I want this. I want what I want. So she bought packages of Mm. the service and guess what? She wasn't seeing the results that she want. And now she wanted her money back. She wanted to complain, but he was upfront and honest in, you're not going to see what you want from this. This is not the right service for you. I told you Mm -hmm. that. And you decided to go the other direction anyways. And I could relate to him yeah, because it happens with people too and what they want. And if they're not getting what they want, they're frustrated. But sometimes it's not about what we want. It's about what we need. And if you are wanting to inquire and work with a matchmaker and someone who's really here to help guide you and support you, take our words of wisdom utilize them because we're here to make you successful. We're not here to hurt you. We're not here to harm you. We want to help you. But like I had said before, we can only help you if you're willing to help yourself and we need your help to do so. Because if you can't help us help you, what are we doing? We're just twiddling our thumbs and doing the same things that aren't working. And that's the definition of an insanity, right? Doing the same thing and expecting Mm -hmm. different results. Yeah. I feel like it just requires so much vulnerability. And I feel like it's kind of similar to just therapy in general, where if you go to the therapist and you're not willing to take their advice, you're not willing to fully open up and be honest about your experiences and what you're feeling. You're not willing to like change the patterns that they say you need to break out of. I don't know. You're just kind of like wasting your money. You're wasting each other's time and you're not going to get anything out of it. It's like, it's one thing to say like, oh yeah, I've hired someone to help with my dating life or I've hired someone to help with my personal life. That's just the first step. Mm -hmm. It's actually about doing the actions too that go with it. That's the Mm -hmm. only way we experience change. Yeah. Action. Yeah. It's hard for people to grasp, but... It is. And And it feels unfair that like I'm coming to you and I want a certain thing and I'm not getting it, but it might not even be about that. There might be something totally different that's going on. But Mm -hmm. every situation is different and we have to approach each person differently. And sometimes there Mm -hmm. are overlapping similarities and there are common effects, common characteristics, common patterns that we do see, you know, especially in certain feedbacks and certain approaches of men versus women. You know, men are from Mars, women are from Venus. We see it in the photos. (laughs) We see it in the process (laughs) of dating. You know, we see it in so many different aspects of life outside of this too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so true. So I feel like, you know, you must have seen quite an array of like dating styles and dating issues. And so I'd love to hear from your professional opinion. What are some of the biggest red flags that you have identified, like just through your matchmaking experience? Hmm, some big red flags. I to think about this one for a little bit because there's some mm-hmm. all over the place. Mm-hmm. One big red flag is, I think, someone who doesn't follow through on what they're going to say they're going to do. That is showing lack of commitment and also lack of respect for someone else's time. And that is not an attractive quality. Narcissism is something you definitely want to watch out for. And that is hard to see sometimes because narcissists are really, really good at hiding it. And they're really, really good at manipulating the situation. So it's about noticing these 
different things that are occurring that make you go, huh? And I think the biggest advice when it comes to red flags, if you already are starting to have a question about it, don't just table it and think, you know what, that's a problem for later. If you're seeing it now, <laughs> you're going to see it again and you're going to see it again. Mm-hmm. And then it's going to become a problem and it's too late. Yeah, that is really good advice. Cause I think especially in the honeymoon phase, it's so easy to see those red flags and overlook them. But yeah, then when you're out of the honeymoon phase, you have this huge issue to deal with. And like, you Mm got to kind of nip it in the bud or figure out if it's just going to be a deal breaker. Yeah. And I mean, I've had personal issues with that as well. You know, I've seen something and having the awareness, I see this, I know what's going on, but it's not an issue now. So I'm going to table it for later. And then it would come up again and then it'd come up again. I'm like, all right, now this is a fucking problem and I don't want to deal with it anymore because this isn't going to make me happy. And my happiness is the most important thing to me. My life is my life. I'm the only one in charge of it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I guess like from your perspective, and I know this differs for everybody because everyone has their own unique needs, but I always love to play like, oh, red flag deal breaker as a game. But like when it comes to real life, like how do you kind of distinguish something that is just a red flag and you can kind of deal with versus when it actually becomes a deal breaker in the relationship? I guess it depends what works for you and what doesn't work for you. Like if it was something like, I don't want someone who smokes cigarettes, but you meet someone, they smoke cigarettes and they say they're quitting. Are they actually quitting or they're just saying that Mm -hmm. because they want to appease you? You know, this is something I know, so I can relate to this one. (laughs) But it's, I think it depends for each person. A big tough one is people who say they want to start a family and the other person is unsure. Well, Mm -hmm. you don't want to have to talk this person into starting a family because then when it comes face to face with it and they say, you know what, it isn't really something I want. You can be so deep into this relationship. I mean, I know so many people who have gotten married. And this situation happened. And then now they have to get divorced because the other person wasn't being completely raw and honest with their desires. So people usually are very upfront about what they want, what they're capable of. And we need to learn to listen to them. Like if someone says they can't show up in a certain way, listen to them. Mm -hmm. They're not Mm -hmm. lying to you. Don't think you can change Mm -hmm. or fix it. Yeah. That's true. Like my mom always says, when someone tells you who they are, believe them. Mm -hmm. And it's so true because it's like, especially in early dating, you're not really going to say something that paints you in a negative light if it's not true. So if you're saying it, that means it's like, that is the reality, like take it or leave it. And if someone's at least courteous enough to be upfront with you about that, then like you need to take that as a blessing and evaluate it early on to figure out if it's something you can live with. They're saving you by telling you this, but are you saving yourself? Or are you just sitting here in your fantasy of, well, I can fix it. I can change it. Yeah. Yeah. I can make God. this happen because it's what I want. And we do enjoy our time together. He's not saying he doesn't like me or yeah. he doesn't want to spend time with me. He's just saying he doesn't want a relationship, but I, I bet if I make this happen, spend more time with him and he's only seeing me, he's going to want that. Yeah. And then it's months later and you're like, oh my God, I can't believe he won't make me his girlfriend. And it's mm-hmm. like, he literally told you on like date two yep. <laughs> that that wasn't going to happen. So sad. It's painful to see, but yeah. probably we do it to ourselves. And it's about having conversations like this with other people who have these experiences, who have been there, done that. I mean, listen, we only grow because we learn. And we don't have to Mm -hmm. only learn from our own experiences. We can learn from others. Yeah, it's so true. 
So I would love to hear how all of this has impacted your dating life. And so like one thing I would love to talk about is like, how do you typically meet people? And I feel like, you know, you're always setting people up. And so maybe the perception is that it's like, you're just so good at meeting people in the wild, but like, maybe that's not the case. Like, I would just (laughs) love to hear, are you meeting people in the wild? Are you using apps? Like, are you getting set up from other matchmakers at your company? Like, what's your primary (laughs) go-to for meeting guys? So I used to go out and meet people, but Mm -hmm. you know, with COVID, that's kind of been a little bit tougher. Granted, I live in Florida, but usually the type of people that I would meet out about weren't really my type of people. I really need to change Mm -hmm. the environment that I'm putting myself into me, the type of person I want to. And that's a little bit tough right now. I do utilize the dating apps. I do think that they're a good resource. As I mentioned before, it's a good way to connect Mm -hmm. with people you wouldn't necessarily run into and certain types of environments. Mm -hmm. I do have the ability to get matched within our company. Haven't found someone. That's amazing. It's my interest. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, listen, single people (laughs) deserve to meet single people, right? But in using the dating app, sometimes guys will ask what I do. I always try to avoid the conversation of what do you do for a Mm -hmm. living? Because it's not a fun conversation. You are not your job. You know, you are who Mm -hmm. you are. I want to get to know you, not what you do for a living. And I've noticed as soon as I open up the channels of what I do, they want to know everything. And it's great. I have a very interesting career. Yeah, I am usually Mm -hmm. the first matchmaker that people meet. I don't blame you for wanting to ask questions. Let's talk about something Mm -hmm. a little more fun. (laughs) But so many times I've got, oh, a matchmaker on a dating app? Like, shouldn't you be good at meeting people? Like you said. Oh my God. I tell them like matchmakers deserve love too. I need to put myself out there just like everybody else. Yes, they might have different Mm -hmm. tools and resources to do it, but I'm still just like everyone else trying to meet someone special. So why not capitalize on Mm -hmm. what's available to me? Yeah, definitely. And it's like, you can take the tools that you've learned from matchmaking and apply them to other avenues of meeting people. So Mm -hmm. that makes total sense. Yeah. And I just come from it with a different approach. It's like, you know, you talk to someone who is into advertising or graphic design or movies, take them to the movie. They're going to say, oh, they did this, that, 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 and that. Or graphic designer is going to be mm-hmm. like, okay, I see this style and that style <laughs> and this font. And like, it should be moved over a space for, for mm-hmm. better visuals or whatever. I don't come into it analyzing and breaking down everything. I just have a different viewpoint. I'm viewing things yeah. through a different lens than the average single person. Yeah, which is great. Like you just helpful. have the tools to, yeah, like make better informed decisions. Yeah. So are there any tenets of things that you kind of tell your clients that maybe you also have a hard time like implementing in your own dating life? And like one example being, you know, it's easy to tell people like you should date someone who's maybe outside of your comfort zone. But then when it comes time to put yourself outside of your comfort zone, it's like easier said than done. (laughs) So for me, the biggest one is height. I Mm. tell people, especially the shorter women who are like five, two to five, five, and they say they only (laughs) want to meet a man six foot and above. Well, guess what? I'm practically (laughs) six foot. So I'm very tall for a woman. So my options are very limited. So I would like to meet a taller man. I will date someone who's about my height, but I prefer taller. Granted, my options are very limited. So sometimes I have a hard time with that one. But I think mm-hmm. it's totally different when you're talking to a woman who's 5'2 versus a woman who's six foot tall. Yes, yes, that's very so, fair. And as someone who's only 5'3, 
I feel guilty too of being like, I like tall guys. And it's like, literally it shouldn't matter. And I don't say that to say, oh, like only tall guys are attractive. But yeah, I feel like a lot of shorter women like myself have done that. And then it's like, oh, I can't imagine what it's like when you are on the taller side and your options are actually limited. Yeah. I mean, listen, when someone is five, two, five, three, like yourself, you can still date a guy who's five, eight. He's going to be taller than you. Even if you put on heels, he's still going to have maybe an inch or two on you, but those heels aren't permanently on your feet. It's only temporary. So I always try to tell those women, don't say no to someone because of height. If she's like 5'10", 5'11", I get it. You want to meet a taller man. It's going to be hard to date someone who's 5'8", 5'7". Women in general just like taller men. And I think it comes from a place of wanting that feeling of security and feeling protected Mm -hmm. and being enveloped in your partner. But even shorter men date taller women. I've seen it happen. I have a friend whose fiance is a little bit shorter than her. But it works for them. You know, she doesn't feel it. She doesn't see it. And he can still make her feel that way. And usually Mm -hmm. it's about how that person carries themselves, not their height. But that is the one shallow thing that really (laughs) sits with me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's also evolutionary. And for your point, it's like practical because of your own height. So no judgment, obviously. Yeah. But I'm someone I will date on the dating profile. I have 15 years older. Mm -hmm. Hmm. I am pretty flexible in where I would date someone because I know love can be anywhere. I mean, some guy I dated before, he was in Chicago. I'm in Florida. I wow. to meet him for the first time. Oh my gosh. That's yeah. awesome. I love that you're so open to that. Yeah. I mean, why am I going to limit myself? And honestly, Florida dating is not the best anyways. <laughs> so I got to branch out. You can only see the same people over and over and it's just, it's not working. Yeah. But now everybody's moving here. So I got some fresh meat. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I would love to hear a little bit about that. Cause I feel like I know so much about like the tropes of guys who live in LA. Like what are the tropes of guys who live in Florida? And for context, what part of Florida are you in? I'm in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, about 40 minutes from Miami. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I hate to like categorize people like this, but South Florida dating is very materialistic. It's all about looks. It's all about what you can provide. And Mm. I'm a very, very laid back person. I'm a very go with the flow, like dance like a weirdo, like no one's watching (laughs) and I don't give a fuck what people think type of thing. If I'm having a good time, I don't really care what others think. Yeah. The hookup culture, I think down here is also really prevalent. So Mm. it affects people having relationships, especially when you have things like the dating apps where it's like catalog shopping. One doesn't work out, move on to the next. Oh, bored with this one, pick up another one. Yeah. So it can be a struggle because you can just have a new partner every other week. It's like having those panties with the the day of the week on it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Have a new one for each day. Yes. It's like a roster. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it it can be frustrating and dating goes in waves. I think, I think you put yourself out there and you get burned a little bit. You get defeated. You're like, this fucking sucks. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm not having a good time. It was fun in the beginning, but now it's just there. So you take a break, Mm -hmm. you work on yourselves a little bit, you find that self-love again, and then you do it again. And then it happens again and you do it again. And it's just like a vicious cycle. So I've really learned how to 
adapt that schedule, I guess you could say, or that cycle <laughs> of dating. So that doesn't happen. I actually just told a friend to do this because she's starting to put herself back out there after a mm. hiatus of dating for over a year, maybe two years. I don't know. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, she really took the time to work on herself. I mean, listen, I did it. I don't think yeah. I dated for like two or three years after my last relationship. I went on three dates right after okay. and I cried on the way home after every single one. I'm not ready for this. Oh. And listen, it happens. It's okay. It's okay. I learned. Yeah. You know, I learned yeah. as much as I can put myself out there. I can't do it if I'm not ready. So I told her the same thing. Take it slow. Like she was getting matches left and right from the dating apps. And I told her, don't book so many dates. You're going to burn yourself out and you're going to hate it. And you're going to internalize everything. Yes. It's not healthy for your mental health. <laughs> it's just not. Mm-hmm. So listen, no. this is a marathon. This is not a sprint. You know, Rome wasn't built in a day. Neither was love. <laughs> yes. That's such good advice. And I can speak to that personally, because when I got on the dating apps, it was after I'd been in two long-term relationships. I wasn't on the apps. Like I didn't meet either of those partners online. And then I was just like very excited for one, because I was like, it just seems really fun. And I was really optimistic about it, which I think is great to an extent, but I think I was overly optimistic. And another thing was like, I saw some of my coworkers who were amazing women, such catches in my eyes, and they wanted to be in relationships, but weren't putting themselves out there. And so I was like, well, I'm not going to do that. You know, like I'm going to put myself out there to the maximum so that I can meet somebody. And I think it's about finding a middle ground. It's like, yes, you have to put yourself out there, but you don't have to throw yourself out there and just go on like any date that comes your way. So lesson learned the hard way. I mean, you have to set boundaries for yourself. It's so funny. So I also dabble in esoteric things. I do tarot cards and things like that. Mm. A card that I've been getting very, very frequently is about setting boundaries. And I think the affirmation Mm. that goes with it says you have to love yourself enough to set boundaries. and say no to people that are trying to take your time and your energy. And that's where we have to really understand is how to set those boundaries. Because again, we forget about filling our own cups. We give so much of ourselves to others that we neglect ourselves because we want that relationship. Yes, I am definitely guilty of that. Yeah, it's something to work on. We all are guilty of it. Nobody's perfect and we can't beat ourselves up for doing the things, for doing the wrong things. Because guess what? You learn how to better yourselves. You learn how to grow. You learn how to evolve. You learn how to show up as your best selves through those Mm -hmm. experiences. So don't give yourself a hard time for them. Don't give yourself that negative self-talk. I fucked up again. You know, I did this. I did that. Woe is me. No, it's okay. Mm -hmm. You could acknowledge it. Yeah, I did that. I probably shouldn't. But what can I learn from that? How can Mm -hmm. I implement that in a different way? Yeah, definitely. And I feel like, you know, we just think about like the talk that we would accept from a friend versus the talk that we accept from ourselves. And it's just vastly different. Mm -hmm. Well, listen, it's easier to give advice than to take your own advice. I am guilty of it. I give people advice all fucking day. Can I take it myself sometimes? No, sometimes it takes a friend, Ariel, you know better than this. Yeah, I do, but I'm still going to get in my head a little bit and talk myself into things or out of (laughs) things. It's human nature. It's natural. It happens. Yeah, Yeah. we just have to be patient with the whole process of dating Mm -hmm. and with ourselves. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Things don't grow overnight. Listen, 
we are like plants. We have to water ourselves in order to grow. We can't just neglect yeah. things and expect a beautiful flower to blossom. <laughs> right? And You're so you, right. You, yeah. you put it outside. Guess what? It rains. And that's how it gets nutrients to grow more. Yep. Oh my gosh. So true. And I that love that metaphor. And that rain may seem dark and gloomy, but you need those times of dark and gloomy for the bright and sunny. Listen, there's no light without dark and there's no dark without light. We wouldn't know what the other yeah. is without each other. Yeah. And there comes the yin and yang. Yeah. It's all about balance. You have a little bit of dark and a little bit of white in it. So you see a little bit of the other side. Mm-hmm. My gosh, I love that. So I would love to close out with any dating stories that you would be willing to share because, you know, like, I feel like we've been talking a lot about other people's dating lives, but I think it's also interesting to hear from your perspective, like, even though you know what to look for, you know what red flags to look for, like, you can't avoid them all the time. So do you have any, like, crazy dating stories that have really taken the cake that you've kind of taken with you as lessons to be learned? Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know if there's a lesson for me in this one, but it's (laughs) it's a pretty cringy one. I think it's cringy. So basically... There was this guy that I was talking to from one of the dating apps, and this was years ago, and we never met. And then I got into a relationship. He did the thing that you brought up earlier. He would check in every once in a while. Oh, (laughs) still in that relationship? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, still in that relationship. And then when I wasn't in the relationship, I was out of the country traveling for a long period of time, got back into the country. It's like he knew when things were going on in my life with a guy that I've never even fucking met. So... He checks in and I was like, okay, I'll go out with him. He's inviting me to dinner. Yeah, it would be nice to spend some time with someone I don't know, eat a good meal. You know, he wants to go to a sushi place. I love sushi. So I agree. Same. (laughs) Who doesn't? You can't trust people who don't like sushi. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Or dogs. Yeah, those are two red flags. (laughs) (laughs) And they say people with two first names too. You can't trust them. (laughs) I don't know how true that one is, but <laughs> that's what they say. Anyways, so <laughs> I planned this date with this guy and I told a friend about it uh, who was visiting and she's one of those people like, oh, I want to see the text conversation between the two. So I was like, okay, here. She goes all the way back to the beginning of the thread and oh, is wow. like, are you sure you want to go out with this guy? Did you even read any of the previous text messages? I said, no, I didn't. <laughs> I just, I'm here. I'm available. I'm just going to go out to dinner. <laughs> like I don't think you're gonna like this guy. Yeah. I was like, okay, well, whatever. I already oh, agree. No. I'm gonna see it through. <laughs> so I get to the date. I sit down. I'm waiting for him. I'm waiting for him. And then he calls me. He's like, "Where are you?" And I'm like, "I'm inside the restaurant." He's like, "Oh, I'm outside." I must have passed him. I guess I didn't see him. I don't know what happened. <laughs> oh, so, no. oh no! <laughs> so, anyways, he comes inside and he wants to go sit outside. So I stand up. He is not as tall as he said he was. First of all. So we go outside in Florida in very humid temperatures. So I'm like, okay, wonderful. We sit down. He is kosher. Asks me to not order anything that would not be kosher because he wants to give me a kiss at the end of the night. Then looks under the table because he's got to see these long legs. Looks under the table. "Mm, Those are nice. No. Cringe. That's not even what? That's just the start. Oh God. So, <laughs> oh God. <laughs> first question. I don't know if this was the first question or not, but he started asking me about my family background and how Jewish we were. 
and what my mm. family was. And well, that's not real Jews, apparently. Wait, he said that to you? Yeah. Yeah. We were not real Jews. Wow. But I, first of all, <laughs> my belief is being Jewish is a culture. It's also mm-hmm. a religion. They are not necessarily all the same. I am just mm-hmm. a Jewish person by blood and mm-hmm. culture. Religiously, I don't identify. So <laughs> we're not real Jews. Then he's asking me about my philosophy of life and earth and God and all these things. And just, is, this is a very Literally the things you're not supposed to talk yeah, about like, on a first I'm not, date. I'm not trying to delve into a philosophical conversation with you right now. But then he also asks, what am I good at in bed? Uh, okay. Wide yeah. swing of topics. I said, I'm not discussing this with you. He's like, oh, well, I'll share mine. Go for it. Now I'm here. I want to know what you're doing if you're going to offer. Not an appropriate yeah. thing to ask me. Oh my gosh. You know what he said, Leslie? Oh no. I'm going to give massages during coitus. What? And for those that don't know what coitus is, that is like the medical professional term for fucking, for intercourse, wow. for having sex. Who says coitus? That I thought was very weird. It's like you're already being kind of pervy by bringing this up on a first date, but then you're like trying to be proper about it. Like, I don't get it. Like, (laughs) I mean, if he would have said, I'm just going to giving massages while having sex, I think that, I mean, granted, it's not a good thing to say anyway. No. But it gives a different (laughs) effect than saying coitus. It, like that coitus is so cringy. It actually makes me like more uncomfortable. Yeah, it does. (laughs) Like if someone said like, oh, I have an erect, a phallus or erect penis right now instead of yeah. I'm hard like yeah not sexy. <laughs> no not sexy so yeah he says he's good at giving massages during coitus puts his hand on the table I look at it oh, no. he's like okay what do you want with this hand will you hold my hand no I'm not really feeling it uh was asking me about like, second date ideas what you're like there's not gonna be a second date honey <laughs> well I didn't give him date ideas for me. I just gave him general date ideas. <laughs> okay, fair, fair. So, date ends, thank God. And he decides he wants to walk me to my car, which is nice. It also started raining. Mm-hmm. So we're like going to wait the rain out a little bit. I'm like, okay. Oh, fuck this. I want to get out of here. And I'm not one of those girls where mm-hmm. I'm scared to walk in the rain. Listen, if I get wet, I get wet. Yeah. I have curly hair. It's not like anything's yeah. going to poof up and get crazy. Mm-hmm. So I was like, fuck it. Like, I'm just going while it's raining. So he's like, okay. So he walks me to my car, asks for a second date. And I was just like, I knew I should have said no, but this was one of those situations where I was just like uncomfortable that I didn't mm-hmm. know what to say. So I was just like, yeah, let me think on it. And that also is an okay answer to say to someone that you're not sure. Yeah. About, especially if you're in yeah. a situation where you are feeling uncomfortable. And maybe you aren't sure about mm-hmm. how the other person's going to react. You just want to do it for like yeah. safety. It's okay to say, oh, you know, I'll think about it. Like, let me get back to you. So I told him, I'll think about it. Let mm-hmm. me get back to you. Goes in for a hug, tries to give me a kiss and I cheek him. And then yeah. we come back out of the like weird hug, cheek exchange. <laughs> and he like tries to grab my face to kiss me. And I'm like, no, Whoa. no. So, so aggressive. Yeah. So I go home. I'm the type of person where like, I'll let you know when I get home. Cause I expect the same in return from someone. Cause I'm like the mom nurturer like that. I want to oh, know you got yeah. home safely. So I mm-hmm. texted him. I was like, Hey, I'm home. I think he said good night. And then the next morning, like first thing in the morning, I was like, Hey, 
It was really nice meeting you. I don't think that we should go on a second date together because I don't think that we are aligned as a personality and our viewpoints on life, which was yeah. clear. So he's like, oh, well, can you coach me to get you? I was like, I literally oh, just told you. He I'm was not one interested. of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, I literally just told you I'm not interested in you. Then he says, well, you at least have to experience one of my massages. You're going to love it. No. Ew. Fuck no. Fuck no. So I oh, think at that point, I just God. stopped responding because. Yeah. You're not getting through to that guy. No, not at all. But dude, like a week or two later has the nerve to message me saying, hey, can I introduce you to a friend of mine? What? Oh God. I would not trust his judgment <laughs> at all. That's what I was going to say. If he was nice, if, you know, I got a good feeling after the date, if I felt that this was someone I could trust. Yeah. I don't feel any of that from this guy. So no, I don't want to meet your friend. Yeah. No, thank you. I don't trust you to be my matchmaker. <laughs> no. <laughs> What did your friend see in the text conversation that raised red flags to her? I think he started going on like a deep Jewish, like kosher path and talking about that. I think he Mm -hmm. also brought up something of like his past relationships via text message. I don't know. I even didn't go back to look at them because it honestly wasn't worth it to me. But no, listen, (laughs) does my best friend know me or what? (laughs) Seriously, she had your back. She did. I mean, two of the red flags of like what not to talk about before you even meet, like that's wild. Yeah. So, I mean, even on the date itself, God, all the things that he said were just wrong. (laughs) This is a great case study of what not to do. (laughs) Yeah. What not to do. Don't talk about giving massages during coitus or don't even talk about coitus in general. Don't use the word coitus just (laughs) as a rule of thumb, unless you're a doctor. (laughs) Just don't use it. Yeah. There's other ways. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, so that I think uh, takes the cake of recent date experiences. I probably yeah. should have written them all down. <laughs> It'd be a good book. I mean, I would love to hear any further that you have. So I would buy that book. Like, 100%. <laughs> I'll start working <laughs> on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for sharing. And I think people would be really interested to know where they can find you, where they can find your matchmaking services and anything else you'd like to share. Sure. Well, thank you so much for having me. I had a great time. And if you want to get in touch with me, you can always reach out through Master Matchmakers, which is our company, mastermatchmakers.com. You can reach out to me personally via LinkedIn. My name is Ariel Rosen. You'll see my picture there with Master Matchmakers. Or if you're wanting some personal coaching, life coaching, dating coaching, maybe some energy healing, which I do as well, guidance and support. You can reach out to me on Instagram at R-I-E-L underscore L-I-G-H-T, real light, and I can uh, get real with you. <laughs> Love that. Well, thank you again. This was a blast and definitely encourage people to check out Ariel's services and reach out to her. Thanks, Leslie. Thank you. Let's be exclusive. Subscribe to Interstates and Heartbreak wherever you listen to podcasts for more firsthand stories about the unglamorous side of dating in Los Angeles. And while you're at it, you can write me a love letter with a rating and review on Apple. See you next Sunday.